You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 10, episode 73. I'm John, your host for this evening, and pleased to have Nori back on. How are you doing? I'm good, John. Thanks for uh, letting me come back on. Well, essentially, you agreed that if St. Johnson got to the final, (laughs) you were coming on to preview it. So that's right. Yeah, yeah, that worked out well. So it's worked out all right. So what you need to then do is say that if St. Johnson win the final, you come back on as well, and then that's guaranteed. It's like that's That's taking a tie, isn't it? Right enough. Aye. So I will be back on if St. Johnson (laughs) win the final. Hey, okay. Good, good. Nobody can see me, but I'm crossing my fingers. Crossing your fingers, <laughs> aye. Um, and I'm delighted as well to have a returning guest from actually this time about last year. Um, it's Hibs player, other clubs as well, but obviously the focus is on Hibs and Johnson this week. So mm. we've got Kevin Harper. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, good, good. Excited about good, the final. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. I was just saying off, off, uh, off live that to Nori that it's been St. Johnson have done really, really well. You know, I think Alan Davidson's done fantastic this season. You know, he's, he's came in, uh, he's got them in the top six, two cup finals. But, you know, uh, obviously I'm looking at this, this cup final and, and I'm pretty confident that Hibs will only win. But if they don't, then I'll, I'll be listening to Nori on the on the podcast <laughs> celebrating that's what it's an interesting one. I'm going. To, we got a few questions. I might as well get this question out of the road early on, and we've kind of touched on it a wee bit, Nori. Uh, the last time you were on, okay. effectively, we were talking about the fact that St. Johnson have been maybe the third best team in Scotland this season, mm. right? Now, well, that, that was my my opinion, certainly. Yeah. Now, even the take from what happened on Saturday. So, regardless of what happened on Saturday, would you still hold that opinion, or would it even be higher than that if you were to win the cup double? I think so. I think um, our league, like I said last time, our league placing doesn't necessarily give a true depiction of how good our season's been because we had such a terrible start. Um, and I think it's a me- the measure of the man that uh, we were bottom of the league in December. We've won very few games. And here we are sitting here talking about Europe. We're talking about the Betfred Cup being in the bag and we've got the Scottish Cup final on the way. So really, when you when you think about it in, in these terms... Um, had we been consistent at the start of the season in the same manner that we finished the season, we could have been quite easily finishing third and, and officially been the third best team in Scotland. Well, I think when we spoke as well, the fact is, no matter if the awards for manager of the year and everything like that had been decided at the end of the season, I think Davidson would have won it. I know Gerrard's had an unbeaten season in the league, but we compared resources and what St. Johnson have done already, it's remarkable, I think. Well, you know, I think I've got a, I've got a friend who is a journalist um, at one of the, the Glasgow papers, and um, I think he's been down that way for too long now, because when I spoke to him last week, he was a you know, St. Johnson fan, but he was, he, was fairly def- he was fairly defending the fact that Gerard won that trophy. Um, and I feel it's... Uh, mentioned this before, but I feel like there is a bias on the West Coast that um, they will print 
stuff that's favourable for Rangers and Celtic because that's been predominantly the people that buy the papers. So um, I just I feel that you know, short of winning winning the World Cup and the European Cup, Gerard was always going to win that trophy. He was always going to win it if he won the league this year, regardless of what anybody else did. Um, and I, that's kind of what's came to pass, I think. Um, and you could even say that Jack Ross should be in there. You know, he's League Cup semi and third top and Scottish Cup final as well. Granted, maybe he's got more resources than Carl Davidson does, but um, it's my personal opinion that Callum was on a hiding to nothing this year. He was he was never going to win that, that trophy. It was always earmarked for Gerard the second they won the title. Yeah. On the subject of that, talking about Jack Ross, it was a kind of two 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 solid question, or not two solid, two prolonged question. So, if Hibs were to win the Scottish Cup on Saturday, does Jack Ross deserve to be spoken about as manager of the year? Third place, and as you say, semi final in the Cup, Kevin, what do you think? I think it's difficult. I think I think he's done fantastically well, you know, along with Callum Davidson and Stephen Gerrard. But I think I think from where Stephen Gerrard's came, where Rangers came from, you know, unbeaten all season, you know, hardly conceded a goal really at home. You know, I get understand it's been a building process, you know, over a, over a number of years with Gerard over a couple of years. But you know, I think Alan Davidson coming in probably his first managerial job. You know, struggled struggled at the start. You know, building his team and getting them to understand his philosophy and the way that he played. And you've got to remember as well, he's not his assistants not experienced as well. You know, so it's it's a pretty inexperienced, you know, lineup that they've got. And for him to turn that around from where they were in December, you know, every I think probably near enough everybody thought there's no chance they're getting top six, never mind two cup finals. You know, so I think when you equate everything like that in, you have to you have to look at Callum Davidson and if they do win the Scottish Cup, if they do win the Cup, which hopefully they don't, as a Hibs fan, I think he in most people's mind would be a manager of the year, I think. I think that's that's the way I see it. You know, but talking about Jack Ross, he's done fantastically well. You know, I think Hibs are playing a, a real brand of football that is is enjoyable to watch. You know, and they are, I think they've overtook Aberdeen as the third best team, you know, in, in the country. And I think they'll probably consolidate that next year. You know, I think they'll, they'll spend a little bit of money. They might lose. They might lose Kevin Nisbet, you know, uh, or the boy uh, Josh Toy, uh, they might lose them, but I think with the money that they bring in, I think you see that Jack's been shrewd in the in the transfer market, and with all due respect to with it, I think his his signings have all hit the mark, and that's 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 the one as well, you know. So for yeah. me, Jack Ross is mentioned, but I think if St Johnston win the, win two cups and they finish, you know, in the top six, I think in fairness, you know, Callum Davidson. And everybody, well, most people's mind would be uh, manager of the year. I think the thing as well with the, uh, I suppose the Hibs situation, if Hibs were to win the Scottish Cup, and also you had the situation of Kevin Nesbitt potentially going, you could be talking about Hibs raking in about six million pounds between Nesbitt getting sold and Europe. Yeah. It's guaranteed Europe for whoever wins a cup till yeah. till Christmas yeah. basically. So it's massive. It's, it's not just the fact that winning the cup. Winning the cup is massive anyway. <laughs> But three million, even just three million pound to any Scottish club outside Rangers and Celtic is is a massive benefit. It's huge, it's huge, huge, especially for the, the, the teams that are 
are there. You know, I, I think I think Hibs are probably more have got more money than St Johnston. I, I, I think over the course of the years, you know, and that's not that's not being disrespectful to St Johnston, but there's I think there's certainly a tier. There's a tier system in Scottish football, and I think Hibs are nearer the top than the bottom of the of the tier system. Uh, but I think if they were to get any of the two clubs to get three million, you know, how that gets reinvested is is the key point. You know, I'm sure Callum Davidson and Jack Ross will be saying, yeah, well, we want the majority of that. We've got you to this point. You know, but you don't know behind the scenes, obviously, because COVID, what, you know, what debt they're in, you know, what other things that are, are there. Because this season, you know, clubs have probably, clubs have lost money, you know, and probably a lot of money. Uh, and, and that money, that three million, and if have sell some players, you know, I'll be reinvested probably somewhere, but very little of it, I would think, would be reinvested in the great in the grand scheme of things. You know, I think if you're getting three million, then it might be a million reinvested, you know, yeah. in the team. And then, you know, if you're getting that six million, if you sell somebody, and maybe the two million will be being re- reinvested in that, you know. And I'm sure probably it'll be the same for for St Johnston. I would think. Uh, I think we can always surmise that Hibs are in a pretty decent position because they knocked back bids, obviously, for Nesbitt and Porteous in January. And also, Jack Cross is backed with the likes of Carden coming in, McGuinness coming in as well. So you would think Hibs are in a pretty good position. But St. Johnson, we've spoken about before, Nori, maybe the best run club in the, the top flight. Aye, yeah. Um, the only thing I'd, I'd, I'd maybe add about Hibs is um, certainly from a a team like St. Johnson and a supporter of a team like St. Johnson. Um, there was questionable practices, I think, last summer when they they gave their players a wage cut, didn't they? I'm fairly certain they, they gave their players a wage cut and then they were signing the likes of Nisbet, etc. So from that perspective, if, if that's the case, are they really that financially well off? At the moment, I think um, I think Kevin's probably nailed it. A lot of that money would be not not ploughed into the team. I don't think. I'm fairly certain that would be used to kind of give them a bit of a cushion, and we would be exactly the same. We would be exactly the same. We we have a wage structure and a wage budget, and it would not budge, even if we did get an extra three million pound coming in. We would still stick to the same wage budget, and that would get banked. And that's what we've done in the past when we sold Stevie May and we sold and we had. I've had a variety of players moving on. We've banked it almost every time and stuck to the same wage structure. Um, so I, I'm fairly certain that whoever it is that ends up getting this windfall, you're not going to see it going out on players. Oh, no, I don't think we would see that in Scotland anyway with regards to like transfer fees getting spent, really. Um, but more so, it's just you can probably attract players in higher wages or renew contracts or it just helps the budget in general, maybe a couple of extra players or something like that. Um Definitely help massively for either club, I think. Yeah, I mean, we, we I think what we do. There you go. On you go, mate. On you go. We, we certainly we need it. Um, I don't think there's any secret that our crowds are low. A lot of our income comes from other streams, um, hospitality, etc., advertising, that kind of thing. So, we this is how we kind of this is how we are prudently run. When we get a little windfall like this, this is what we do. We put it to the side for a rainy day. Um, sorry, Kevin, on you go. I, th- I, th- I think I think for Hibs, it would help them, you know, knock back bids for Nesbitt, for Portis, for Doig, if they wanted to. 
you yeah. know, if they wanted to, if they weren't, if they weren't good enough bids for them, then they have that cushion of going, well, you know what, no, but we're not going to, we're not going to sell you because the money's not right. So they can play a little bit hard though, knowing that that buffer is there. Uh, I think in the flip, the flip side of it, I think if they get bids for, you know, the players that we're talking about and they're good bids, then I think they'll probably sell two, two out of three, I would think. I don't think they'll sell all three. I think they might sell two out of the yeah, I mean, the latest is about Nesbitt, he's getting linked with Celtic, even though they've not got a manager. It's obviously, usually when these things get put in the media, there's some kind of truth in the matter. So there's that one there. And then Doig has been getting linked with, I think, the likes of Arsenal, Chelsea, and clubs down south. And it'd be hard pushed, I think, for a young guy as well, not to have his head turned by that type of move, because he's going to be financially secure. If you make a move like that, you're financially secure, secure for life, probably, but down south. Uh, but on the flip side, maybe playing in Europe, if they've got good advisors, these players will think, well, if we're playing in Europe, that maybe opens up the shop window even a wee bit more. Um, and you're getting that experience playing at a, a good level as well. I think it I think it does, but I think ultimately I would if you ask most, they want to play in the Premier League, you know, or the or the championship in England. And I think that's the real that's the real pool for, you know, some of the some of the players, you know, if you're going down to the championship. You're going down to the Premier League, you know, you're going to be made for life anyway. It doesn't it doesn't matter whether you're playing in Europe or whether you're not playing in Europe. Yeah. And I think that's that's the thing. But also up here, if you're getting, you know, Celtic are after you, Rangers are after you, then they're the two clubs that you're going to go and you're probably going to be made for life there as well. You know, but it's ultimately where you think that you want to go and and I would I would surmise that most through experience that most want to play down in down in the two top leagues in England, you know, and and obviously if you're if you're getting linked with Arsenal and you're looking at what Kieran Tierney's doing down there, you know he's he's been sensational when he's been playing, you know, so it, they might look at it as not a big step, although it is a very big step. And Kieran Tierney's a fantastic player, and Andy Robertson as well, and the players that are in the Premier League. But I think if the Premier League comes calling, is I think it's very difficult to turn that down. Yeah, with Kevin Nesbitt, do you think he's a guarantee to be in the Euro squad? I think he is, yeah. I think he is. I think he's. I think he's got something different in the sense that you know he's he's a goal scorer. We need goals. We really need goals. But you know, I, I think he'll work his socks off as well, and he'll give you a different option from from what we've got. You know, I think Che Adams will be there. Uh, Lyndon Dykes will be there. You know, and I think Kevin Nisbet will be there as well. Yeah. And you've said before, Kevin. Uh, sorry, Nori. You think that. Nesbitt's a shoe in as well, isn't it? I would say Sponsor. so, sense, especially with um, what's his name, McBurney, yeah. ruled out. Um, the options up top, are, you know, it's not a, a massive amount really when you think about it that are experienced um, or have the pedigree to really step in at that level. And I think he's a good shout. He's uh, he's in tremendous form. He must be the highest scoring Scottish player as well this season, I think. Across think, the board, think, even down south as well. You look at it, what else, what other striker have we got? You know, we've got Shea Adams, who looked probably our number one striker with Lyndon Dykes, then Kevin Nesbitt, and then you look at who else we can, we can bring in. You know, that's that's for me, you know, you look at who's going to score your goals. If you're looking at Scottish strikers, they're probably the three that you would go, yeah, they're going to score his goals. Or they've got the most chance of scoring his goals. And that's been that's been our that's been our biggest problem. 
Yeah, mm. I think no other, other strikers that would, would be quoted at all would be Shanklin, but he's not had a terrifically great season. Mm. And then I think in a way a wild card, which a lot of people would like him to go is Griffiths, obviously. I think he's still an option to go there. He's not played much recently, but you just feel he's someone that if he was on the bench, even he could give you 15, 20 minutes and maybe get you a goal. But yeah, I think Nesbitt has to go in terms of the season he's had. And his, his career trajectory so far has really shown that every time he steps up a level, he can cope with it. No problem at all, which is a great thing yeah. to have. Great asset. Mm, yeah. But, uh, um, so John said, I've seen good news as well today. Is it love over the last couple of days? Murray Davidson signed a new contract. He has, aye, that's great news. Um, such a massive player for us. He's always injured um, because of the way that he plays. He's quite a physical player. Um, but it, uh, he always bounces back really quickly as well. He's just one of these guys that you can kind of depend on not to stay on the treatment table for that long. So, tremendous signing. He was part of a £50,000 deal with Dave Mackay from Livingston about 2009, I think it was. And what, a, what a bargain that was. Um, yeah, so I'm pleased to see him staying. Yeah. So, predictions then for the game on on Saturday. Obviously, you're both going to say that St. George are going to win or Hibs are going to win, but close game, penalties, extra time, what do you think? After, I, think, I think it'll be what are you going three one? Did you say? I think yeah. Yeah. Well, naturally, I'm going to say two Nelson Johnston. <laughs> as you do. Um, I think that we had the discussion beforehand. Where, um, yeah, we, had, we. I think you're quite right, Kevin. If whoever scores the first goal is going to be in the driving seat, obviously. But um, when we, when you look back at the semi final, Hibs really battered us for the first. 20 minutes. They had a few chances. I think they hit the bar. Um, and it's only when we scored the first goal that we went to win it quite convincingly. I think this will be much the same. Um, I'm fairly certain of it. You've got good attacking options in your team, but we have more than enough with the back five that we've got to keep them out. So we'll just need to wait and see. But uh, we're in good form and we've achieved an awful lot recently. So I just feel the mentality of the players is is there. I think it's I think it's they're in the right frame of mind to to win this trophy and they're not um getting kind of too above their station at all. Sometimes you see elements of complacency slipping in for games like this. Uh, and I'm not seeing it with this squad of players. So we'll just wait and see I suppose. Yeah. As a player Kevin obviously think... sorry on you go. Are you going to... no, I just I just I just think that you know as Nori said, I think the, the first goal is really important because I think if St. Johnston score first, then they can sit in and they can defend. And you know, they're very that back five is difficult to break down. You know, but I also think if Hibs score first, then St. Johnston really have to come out at them. And I think Hibs will then be able to pick them off a little bit. I think uh, that's a, that's a way that's a way I see it going. So it'll be, I think it will, I think it will be cagey, but I think Hibs will just have too much for them. I think it'll be. Interesting to see whether Jack Ross goes with a three, you know, at the back and matches up against St. Johnson or he just sticks to his, his 4 4 2 that he's been playing, you know, in recent, in recent weeks. Uh, I think that'll be the, the, the big the big key because I think the, the system that St. Johnson played really suit him, really suit him. It really causes, causes other teams' problems with, with the two in behind the, the main striker, how you, how you pick them up and how you squeeze the game, you know, and 
and I, I think that's a, that's a key that's a key fact. What what Hibs do, whether they just stick to their, their game plan and say, you know what, we believe that we're better than yours, then we're going to we're going to play our, our system because I don't think St Johnston are going to change their system. That's for sure. I think they'll go with the four the, the three four two one. I think that's their system. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if Jack changes it or he modifies it in any way. Hmm. I suppose a, a, a tough call as well. I mean, you would think Harlan will definitely play at centre back regardless of what happens. But then McGregor had a cracky game against Aberdeen. I watched last week and McGregor was superb. Um, no saying that, I know it's what it was McGregor and Portis that played that weekend. So options there. It's, I think it, I think it's, that's the one that's you know I'm a great fan of Portis. I think he's very I think he's very good. I think he's. He's, a, he's an out-and-out out defender. He loves to defend, you know, but I think McGregor has done fantastically well any times he's played. You know, and that experience, uh, that experience could, could be an issue and that's why I'm just maybe wondering whether Jack's going to play the field, you know, play McGregor, Portis and Hanlon, you know, as a, as, a, as a three and maybe match up with, maybe match up with St. Johnston. Uh, but I think no matter who plays alongside Paul Hanlon, I think they'll be, they'll be solid enough anyway because I think the back the back four or the back three doesn't doesn't really change. You know, you you're only adding an extra centre half. And I think for me, Portis is probably that little bit pay, more pacier than than uh, McGregor. But you know, Portis can be a little bit of a loose cannon at times as well. You know, and so you've got to you've got to compensate against that. But you no. Know, that's probably his only, I think that's his only dilemma. I think Jack's, that's the Jack's dilemma, I think. I suppose all that, that way though as well, it impacts other areas of the team as well, because if it's a three at the back, then potentially, where does Boyle end up playing? Does Boyle end up playing as a wing back? Does he end up playing up top or where does he play? Um, so there's that aspect of things as well. It could be an influence. Yeah. No, there, there is. But I think, I think what, I think from, from my point of view, you know, he'll play Boyle, Dodge and, and Des, but that'll be the that'll be the three. You know, so whether he goes is a, a three four three possibly, you know, to put, make sure make sure that the St Johnston's back back three will struggle, you know, and, yeah. and look to play long into into Boyle and get them stretched. That's a, that's another option uh, as well, but it leaves you a little bit short in midfield. But you know, we we uh Gogic there, you know, and Halberg just sitting, that could be that could be a possibility. You know, so I think for me, I, I would say that it would probably stay with a four-four-two. I think it's the system that they're getting joy with. You know, but I also also believe that with Boyle out in the right, uh, you probably lose a little bit from him. Yeah. St. Uh, Johnson tend to play maybe the same team no matter what kind of big game it is. No rate, same again, or any surprises? Do you think? Uh, it depends on the COVID situation. I think. Uh, we just don't know what's happening with that. There could be any. They're, they're getting regularly tested every day, but you just don't know. If, you know, some, something's going to pop up where people need to isolate or whatever. So, um, not likely to be much the same, I would imagine, unless that kind of throws a spanner in the works. But um, so I remember when Hibs beat us this season. Um, I think it was a last-minute penalty. I'm sure it was. The, the issue we had in the middle of the park was we were overrun. There was just... It was three against two in the middle of the park. Um, and Davidson changed formation in that match in the second half. And then we came back and equalised. So 
Um, I don't think he's quite as rigid as all that. He is. He is. He doesn't change it a whole lot, but he can. He can move players about to compensate for situations like that. Um, although we are likely to start with the same lineup. Um, the two, the last couple of games we've played against Hibs, I feel like we've we've matched. We've certainly more than matched them, and we um, we won the games, so we must have done. Um, so I, I just feel that. Um, Although this formation looks like it's kind of rigid and set in stone and he's always playing the same players, he does have that flexibility, even if it's not always obvious. Yeah, we've always got the option with the likes of Conway or Wallerspoon that they can play wide as opposed to playing as middle kind of two team, tens yeah. and different things like that as well. So there's flexibility in the system. Do you think it plays on the mind the fact that the last match, St. Johnson rested a few players and managed to beat Hibs or not? Like as an next player, Kevin, is that something yeah. that would be... Uh, nah. Nah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think it, it, it matters. You know, it's it's a one-off game. You know, you can you can pick the bones of. I'm sure they'll look at that game and and see how how it how you know played out as such. But you know, I think for I think for me, it's about focusing on on what we can do as a as a team. You know, and, and trying to find the weaknesses of St Johnston, which there will be, and I'm sure Alan Davidson and his team are trying to do the same. You know, we we have looking at where's the weakness, how can we exploit? You know, and that's it's it's cat and mouse, and you know that's why the managers, you know, the big choices. I think there's big choices uh, in, for the game, you know, for the cup final because you know it's it's a huge, like we said earlier, it's a huge, huge important game. You know, it could be the difference between three million, you know, and that's that's a big caveat. But I think most importantly is lifting that trophy. That's a caveat. You know, Hibs have got that monkey off their back. You know, from from a few years ago, so they they'll go into the they'll go into the feeling feeling confident. You know, St John's have won a trophy this year. They'll go in feeling confident. So, you know, I, I'm just hoping it'll be an entertaining game, and it shows you know Scottish football off that it's an entertainment, and we're in an end entertainment industry, and we have to learn to entertain. That's my thought on it. You know, and yeah, there's going to be a winner, and there's going to be a loser naturally, but you know, I, I hope the winner is football. You know, and when it yeah, along with Hibs, but I hope in general, you know, we, we, we look back in it and we say, you know what, that was a really, really good cup final after everything that we went through this season. Yeah, we definitely need that. So what's your thoughts on that, Nori, about entertainment? Oh, absolutely. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. I think um, we've played differently this year. If you went back to a Tommy Wright team, I would maybe question whether it was going to be entertaining or not. Um but uh, the way that Callum plays, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a, a a good open game, which is end to end. Um, keep my fingers crossed for that. Anyway, I, I very much doubt he's going to play a, a conservative in a conservative fashion. I think he'll come out and have a go, just like he did at Rangers. Um, and if you're going to do that, Ibrox, then why not do that in the Scottish Cup final? Yeah, if you're to pick a match winner for either side, who would it be? No worry, start with yourself. Okay. Um, I'm going to go Chris Kane. I know I was very critical of him in the last, the last uh, podcast, but he's just signed a new contract. He's having a tremendous season. Um, so I'm, I'm almost doing this as we an apology to him. But uh, yeah, I'm going for him. So you're not going for the reverse psychology again this time by criticising another player, so they, they score. Maybe, maybe I tried, tried and tested system. <laughs> I, maybe I should have 
<laughs> what were yourself, Kevin? Who would you say if you were to pick the last winner for Hibs? Right, I think for I think for Hibs it's I think it'll be Martin Boyle. I think he brings so much to the team. You know, the energy, the intensity, the excitement. You know, he, he can drag games. You know, he can be doing nothing and then all of a sudden explode into the game. You know, I, I think he's I think he's key and I think it's key where he plays. You know, I, I personally like him up top, but I think with Dodge and Nesbitt, you've got two really good strikers that complement each other a lot. You know, and I think with the fact that he's his pace going in behind the two, you know, going in behind Dodge is always a problem for, for defenders. So for me, it would be it would be Martin Boyle. Probably no surprise, to be honest, if I'm honest. Yeah. If we look at the head-to-head record this season, Hibs have got one win, a draw, and then two wins for St. Johnson. So that's how it's been. 3-1-0 victories. And then two old draw as well. With that, so... I, I, I guess a tough one to call. I, I don't really know. I can agree in terms of Hibs will try and come out. I think Hibs will try and come out early and try and take the game at St. Johnson because I feel they think maybe early on that's how you kind of get it. I think the longer the game goes and if it stays tight at 0-0, that would favour St. Johnson more. That, that would be my thinking anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we will been for a good final. I think I agree with you. I think I agree with you. I think I agree with you. I think the longer it goes at 0-0 you know, St. Johnston, I think what St. Johnston do really well is, you know, and this is, I think they grind you down a little bit and because they're shaped so well, you know, and they don't concede many goals, they don't score many goals, but they sort of grind you out, of, you know, ways of breaking them down and you end up tending, tending to go long, you know, and that probably suits them and that's probably the, what they want to do and then they sort of end up picking you off almost, you know, but I think that's, that's what they do and they're very good at it, you know, but, you know, I think if Hibs score first and St. Johnston have to come out, then I think it can be a it can be a really, really tough I think it could be a tough day for St. Johnston, you know. But at the end of the day, as you say, St. Johnston will beat Hibs twice this season, you know, so they'll genuinely believe that they can win win the cup because with the with the league form, you know, and although it's a it's a one off game, you know, they'll be looking at an well, we can we'll beat them twice this season, why can't we beat them again? Yeah, I remember when we, when we had John Nori preview in the semi-final, you certainly said you would favour playing Hibs over London United, just due to the fact that the way right. the, the games have gone this season. So, yeah, Dundee United, we've yeah we've not done well. I don't think we've beat Dundee United this year at all. I'm pretty certain we haven't. Um, so, from that respect, yeah, it was it was probably sensible to pick Hibs, um, just just going on the form. But, uh, you know, I don't take anything for granted. I don't think just because we've beaten them twice this year that we're shooing for the, the cup final. We're in for a, a tough game if we are going to win it. Um, so I've just I'm just kind of got my fingers crossed that this COVID situation hasn't impacted on the training too much. It isn't going to impact on the team lineup and shape too much. Because in all honesty, that's, that's the only thing I can see that might be a problem for us. Um, so we'll just we'll just need to wait and see. Yeah, I think as a neutral or even anyone, you want the best players to be available, and it would be horrible in terms of the, the season that there's been in COVID and the impact it's had over the course. Yeah, you want everyone to be available, um, and that way, at least that way, whatever happens, it's it's fair game kind of thing. There's no kind of or what if if players have been available um, with that as well. So. Uh, no best of luck yeah. to both teams, obviously. Uh, I mean, we've had you before on before and talk about Scottish Cup memories, Nori, but yourself, Kevin, 
What was your fondest Scottish Cup memories from as a player? Uh, I'm not really sure to be honest. I can. I think probably my my best memories see being at Hamden is when Hibs lifted the cup. Just you know, recently, you know, I think that's you know the relief and the, the desire because I remember sitting watching it and thinking after about seventy minutes we're not really going to get in this game. That's game over. And then all of a sudden, you know, Stokes pops up with, with an equaliser, and then David Gray scores scores a winner, and you know the fans were going crazy. Crazy, you know, and that's probably the, the best memory of the Scottish Cup for me. Looking at I know, a, a team, you know, I didn't get to, I didn't get to a final in the Scottish Cup, you know. So for me, there's not really any memories unless you get to a final, and that's my opinion. But hey, as a as a as a as a as a player, you want to win, you want to win, you want to win trophies, you know. And for me, if you if you don't get to the final, then you don't win it. Then you know, doesn't matter. Yeah, no, that's fair enough, definitely. Um... Sideshow as well for Hibs, Barciano's last game. But do you think Barciano will definitely play as keeper? It won't be Macy, because Macy's played, I think, all the cup games. I don't know. I don't. I really don't know. You know, it's it's a, it's, it's a difficult one, I think. You know, I, I think ultimately Macy's played the majority of the games. You know, he played against Aberdeen last, last week as well, you know. Yeah. But his last game, sentimental stuff, I don't think Jack would think too much of that. But I think, like you said earlier, ultimately... You have to play your best team. You know, if Marciano's your best goalkeeper, then he has to play. It's pretty simple in, in, in terms of that. That's the way I see it. You know, and it's unfortunate for Macy, but if he thinks Macy's the best keeper, then, you know, he's got to play. Yeah. I think Macy looks an, an eight, a, a capable keeper anyway, regardless of who plays would be. I don't think there'd be a weakness either way. No, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think so, but... You know, I think Macy's probably, you know, if he's he's played he played the semi-final, he played last week against Aberdeen. You know, if, if he's got the gloves, then he's got the gloves. That's the way that's the way it goes. But you know, I think Marciano's been fantastic for, for Hibs throughout his his career there. You know, obviously he's moving on at the end of the season. You know, do you give him one last hurrah or do you, you know, ultimately you got to play a bet, you've got to play the team that you believe, the players that you believe can win the win the game, you know, and that's the decision that Jack's got to make. You'll see them. You'll see them day in, day out in training, you know. And he'll he'll probably know his team just now for the cup final. All things going well. Yeah, I think both managers will know their their starting eleven if everyone is available. I think. Uh, what about maybe a wee uh, shout for Waterspoon or Craig? Maybe can we go against the old club match winner? It's a good you see show, it happens yeah. so often in uh, big games, yeah. don't you? Yeah, I never thought of that. Craig would be the best one to. From my perspective, would be the best one to get the get the goal. Um, purely because of what a rotten time he had when he was at Easter Road. I think Spoonie had a had a reasonably enjoyable time at Easter Road. He developed really well, came into the first team and um, really came on there. So, and I'm pretty sure when Hibs were in the cup final, Spoonie was in the stand wearing a Hibs scarf. So, um. Yeah, for me, for me, I think it would be more bittersweet if it was Craig that scored it rather than Spoonie. Yeah, you're, you're smiling, Kevin. What are you smiling at? <laughs> I just, I think, I think, I think Liam Craig's been a fantastic servant. You know, he's 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 a really really nice guy as well and a good a good professional. You know, uh, he probably deserves one last hurrah. 
you know, is it is it in, in the Scottish Cup? You know, hopefully it'll be next year. You know, but, <laughs> you know I, think, I think what he does is, I think what he does is he, he brings a calmness to proceedings, and you know, he's he's a leader out there, Liam Craig, and, and Witherspoon's got that bit of magic that can just they can do something out of nothing. You know, so the two of them are, are both really, really good players and important players. I think might not necessarily play all the time, but I think they're important round about the club and stuff. You know, especially I think Liam Craig would be as well. He would be certainly you know, the experience, and you know, he'll be talking to the young players and trying to develop them and stuff. You know, and he'll probably have a word with the manager as well. You know, manager will have a word with him as well because he's that senior. You know, and he understands the game. Yeah, I think from Wallerspoon's point of view as well, he's a player that's developed to age as well. He's become more influential in his later years. Oh, yeah. I think, I think he's become more a kind of vital cog in that St. Jordan team. Absolutely, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think, uh, I think you're right, Kev, about Liam Craig. He, in fact, he would be my next choice as St. Johnson manager once Callum Davidson moves on. I just think he's that when he speaks. I just think he he's, he's switched on and he knows what he's talking about and he knows the club. Um, and I think he would be an excellent choice, so that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, yeah, D's D, sorry, Spoonie is um, he's changed, he started off as kind of playing on the left wing, and then he moved over to the right wing for a bit, and then he came back to the left wing for a bit, and now he's moved inside to the central area, and um, he's 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 just Mister Reliable. You can play anywhere on the pitch and you always get a, a decent performance out of him. He's frustrating because you know that he's capable of some wonderful stuff um, and you can see him producing moments of magic um, but he only does it very fleetingly uh, but that's not to say he's not consistent as a performer. He's still very good at what he does even when he's not pulling the little tricks out of the bag but he's really I think he's really played a big, big partner of success over the last few years. He's such a massive part of the club um, and credit to Hibs for bringing them on for us <laughs> If we're going to speak about frustrations as well I think we had positive news it seemed as if at one point we were going to get some fans at the game uh, unfortunately now it's not going to be the case surely they could have still managed to switch the game somewhere else so at least some fans get in You would like to think so. You'd like to. I thought they would be able to do that. Uh, you know, I think they, they they have that power to change it. You know, but obviously, I think as has been said, if it was Celtic or Rangers in the final, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that 99.9% sure that it would have been changed to suit to get fans in. But you know, it is what it is, really. You know, that's that's all I can say. You know, is it disappointing? Yeah, it's really really disappointing. But you know, what can we do with it, you know, I think we can look at the positives and say at least we've got a cup final at the end of the season you know, we, there was there was points where we thought that it might not even go ahead the whole season, you know we've managed to get to the end of the season, so you know, I think that's certainly a positive, you know, cases are down in the majority of areas you know, and hopefully hopefully this is the, the start of the turn so that we can get fans back in, in the stadium, but you know, I'm sure there'll be plenty of fans Round televisions and wherever watching watching games and and having a good time with our team win that is. <laughs> you can even have a pint indoors now as well, in Leisure in Glasgow. Yeah. And um, the, the strange thing is, in three weeks' time, there's going to be twelve thousand fans at Hamden. 
this is the thing, so is, isn't it? COVID what, taking a holiday for the Euros. What frustrates me, I think, is <laughs> that uh, they must have no, they must have known prior to the announcement there was going to be the paltry amount of tickets that they were going to provide. They must have known beforehand that the area was going to stay in level three, I would imagine. So they've came out and they've, they've announced these tickets and then literally a day later they've decided that actually, no, we're not going to give you these tickets. Um, just a bit of a mess, really, isn't it? Just like from start to finish in terms of organisation, it was, well, here you go, we, we're going to give you a wee shot. Going to, oh, no, we're not, we're taking it back. <laughs> That's just kind of how it felt as the average football supporter. Um, so disappointing, disappointing in that respect. But that said, I couldn't go anyway because my other half is uh, pregnant at the minute and I can't be taking any risks. So it's, I don't have a horse in this race, but um, <laughs> there's uh, a lot of friends, a lot of my friends wanted to go, of course, and um, they were having a, a big discussion about it. And they were saying, Do I really want to go and sit in Hamden in this huge stadium with very few of my fellow fans beside me? And I've got so many seats beside me that are empty and I've got to wear my mask and I've got to sit down or do I want to go to the pub and get absolutely smashed and watch it with my pals and sing songs and have a great time um, and I think I would probably go for the pub option if I had an option I suppose it would be one of those if you'd managed to get to the game it would be one of the the grandkids that I was there in the Covid year they were kind of right no one was there you know what I mean that kind of thing but yeah you, after the season that everyone's had, you want to get a straight up with that's what that's what it's about. It's sharing experiences with fans, isn't it? These moments. Yeah. It's it's the social aspect for me. Um definitely it's meeting your friends, it's taking your kids, it's going with your parents, um, and that's what it's all about. It's um not meant to be a TV sport football, I don't think. It's meant to be for communities, people in communities to get together and support the local team or whatever team it is you support that you're going to watch. Yeah, this is what I hope you're going to tell us, Kevin, you've got a media pass for this game on Saturday. You're getting to go. No, not, not at all. Not oh, at all. Okay. I'll, be, I'll, be watching, I'll be watching on the TV. But, you know, I, I think what this season shows is that football is rubbish without fans. And fans make football. You know, I think that's what we can come, that's what we can come away with, with this season. That, you know, football is for fans and fans are football. You know, it's not the players, it's not it's not the referees, it's not the big wigs, it's the fans that are the most important thing that bring the joy to the game, you know, and that's what that's what we've missed dearly. You know, you just I was watching the FA Cup final just to hear fans in the FA Cup final yeah. it was just amazing. You know, it was it was just so something that was so joyous and so you know, it just made the game feel like a totally different venture of what we've been watching for the past pretty much past year. Yeah, they did have. I the agree with that. Yeah, they had the unfortunate thing VAR and the fans all celebrating and thinking they'd, they'd equalise and then <laughs> might be gutted at that. Imagine that you think you're back in the game and then no. Yeah, okay. at least it was right. I believe it was right. You know, but I think they just need to bin VAR. It's just a waste. It's taking the whole joy out of football. Yeah, everything about it. Everything you know. At the end of the day, ultimately. It's still the same as a referee. It's still an opinion. You know, that's what it is. It's not, it's not a fact. It's not, it's not like line technology where you go, right, the ball's over the line, but it's not. You know, this is still somebody's interpretation of what happened. And it's just the same as a referee. The referee's interpretation of it is exactly the same as VAR, but they have a hundred views of it. 
and still get it wrong at times. You were going to say something, uh, Nori, before I mentioned VAR, I think. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say that I'm not invested in English football. I watch it, but I'm not invested in it, really. Especially not this year without the crowds. But that game, I couldn't take my eyes off it because of the crowd. And when that when that goal went in, I just about went through the roof. I've got no loyalty to Leicester, but goodness, what a difference it made. Um, tremendous, tremendous. Um, in terms of VAR, he was literally a kneecap offside. He, that was pretty much the size of it from what I could tell. He was a kneecap. Um, I honestly, I feel like if that had been my team, if that was St. Johnston and VAR had ruled off that goal against my team, I honestly feel like I would, I would be kind of almost disappointed <laughs> with that because I just feel like Kevin says, it's taken something away from the game. You know, if yeah. it's that close, not, but just give it. Just give it. You know, I want to see a goal. Whatever way it yeah. goes, it just increases the excitement. I think I think the thing for me with VAR is I have I have a, a a thought on this. You know, if you think hypothetically, it's a hypothetical thought. Two people, six foot each. One's got a size eight feet, and one's got a size twelve feet. <laughs> standing, yeah, yeah. Standing exact, they're standing exactly the same position, and the size size twelve feet is say the striker. So he's going to be offside because he's got bigger feet than the other guy. It's ridiculous. And yeah. that's the way it's and came, yeah. you know. You've got, you've got a, a fingernail, a fingernail forward and it's offside. Just absolute nonsense. I think you've always mm-hmm. hoped as well with an entertaining game as well. You give the advantage to the attacking player. You want more goals in the game, don't you? Yeah. So if, there's a, is it, if it's marginal, it. go the attacker. But, uh, yeah. Aye. I agree with that, yeah. You, even if they're, they're yeah. just a they're just a ball here ahead of the defender, but uh, uh, so that that's what I would say. Um, talking of ball hairs, so we've recently got an agreement with Manscaped to advertise our goods. So for those that don't know Manscaped, American company, they are trying to break into the UK, and it's all about personal grooming. So in Scotland, football, we all like to take care of our balls. So just remember, if you want any products. There's a lawnmower. Uh, you can get 20% off if you're a listener friend of the podcast with the code SFF podcast. And we'll have the message in the blob. Um, so if you want your ball bag to look like Jim Duffy, get involved. All right, guys. Um, <laughs> just, just think, just think, as you say, the ball hair there. You know, exactly. VR, it would be, if, you're using, if you're using that, there's no ball hair there, is there? Exactly. No, no grass on the pitch. <laughs> so, yeah. Chelsea will be investing in a whole batch of them. <laughs> a whole batch of the lawnmowers, you think so? Oh, well, I would imagine so. After the after the weekend, there. Right? But, uh, <laughs> it's only yeah. Another partnership. Another partnership. I noticed it was quite interesting um, earlier on. Hib seem to be getting into partnership with Brighton, so that they get an agreement yep. to get some of the other young players in. I think that's the future for a lot of this kind of Scottish clubs. What we're likely to see that. Scottish clubs are going to become almost feeder clubs for the big English teams. Possibly, possibly. I think I think Hibs have got Hibs, Hibs have got the tie in with the Stennis Muir as well. So some of the younger players can go to Stennis Muir as well. So you know, I, I think it, I think it suits. You know, I think you're you're helping these players get into you know understand the game 
you know, the, the players from, from Brighton, if they're coming up, it's just a deep partnership. And it's, it, hopefully it benefits, it benefits him. Uh, and then it means that their young players can then benefit from going out to, to Stenish Muir or if, if they're good enough. But ultimately, you know, for me, if you're the manager of, of Hibs or you're the manager of Stenish Muir, you know, and you're getting forced players up, then that's different. You know, the players have to, the players have to be good enough and they have to be able to fit in with the manager's plans. And the manager says, "Yeah, I want, it. I want them. I want their players, and I want their players to, you know, play in the team." But you know, if you're if you're getting forced to, you know, have to play players, then that's a totally different aspect of it. But I, I certainly don't think that would be the case. Uh, and I think to get that partnership with with, with Brian, who are a, a fantastically run club, you know, and and be able to to, to be able to share practice, I think. It can only be good for Hibs. Yeah, no, definitely. Bobby, what would you, your thoughts be on that at St. Johnson if there was like in a partnership? I know you've had a couple of players as he's from Millwall, haven't you? Because obviously Matt Namara Aye. was there and then was it Brown replaced him, didn't he? Same position. That's right. So, I think it could be good. It could be, certainly for a team like us um, because Matt Namara was a phenomenal player for us. Yeah. Um, Brown's just been unlucky because uh, unfortunately, Rooney came on a game as soon as he got here, so he's not really had the same kind of opportunity. But yeah, absolutely, I I think that would be tremendous for a team like us that kind of struggles in the transfer market because we've got such a limited budget. Yeah, I mean we've obviously seen the Aberdeen with Atlanta, the whole link up there with Gallic or so far, and there was talk that this year if had been for COVID, we would have got more players in and also as well. The likes of Jack McKenzie, who's recently broke into the team where they were over there playing, um, having a season over there as well. So, you know, it works both ways. Surprised Dundee United don't have a link up in America because they've obviously got the American owners, haven't they, as well? Um, yeah, so, that's fine. I think it's something that will evolve um, in the game. You used to hear about it all the time. I remember playing football manager back in the day, and you'd always have your feeder clubs and all that type of thing. You would, like, who can I get from, uh, from Chelsea or, or vice versa? Getting a, a player from a bigger team, you'd be rinsing them for as many loan players as you could but yeah as long as it's rich parties then that's the main thing the benefit yeah I, th- I think I think the worry for me is that if our kids aren't getting games you know aren't getting through the system they haven't got a pathway the needs are stopping it then that's that's a worry for me that's an issue for me you know but if our, if our kids are, are getting the opportunity they, they deserve you know whether that be in the first team of Premier League clubs or Championship clubs or you know, first or second division teams, even the Golden League, you know, I, I don't, I don't see the, I don't see the, the negativity for it. Uh, I think it can only benefit, you know. But, uh, but the worry is in anything like this is that our, our, our players and our generation are trying to get through and, and don't get the opportunities just because someone's came from a so-called bigger club. Yeah, on the subject for the Lowland League, last week when I was on Valley Graham, the decision was getting made about the Colts then and whether Rangers and Celtic were going to get included. Um, it wasn't until we were off there that it was decided yeah, Rangers and Celtic are going to be in. Thoughts on that, guys? Well, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I think that we, we, got, we spent so long trying to get a pyramid in place for the, the lower league clubs and I just feel like this is a bit of a kick in the teeth for them. Um, uh, for the paltry fee of three thousand pound per club, um, it's it's just disappointing from, from my perspective. I think it's just disappointing that that's happened. 
Yeah, I think there was speculation they'd spent a wee bit more than that, I think. Um, talk as much as 25,000, but yeah. Uh, I, just, I don't get I don't get where the hopes are going to go at the end of the season. You know, it's only for one, it's only for one season. So what then what then happens to the team that if they finish third, if, if say Celtic and Rangers finish first and second, whatever way you want to look at it, and say Anish Bride or a, whoever, you know, finish set finish third. So does that mean that the third team, third place team plays the bottom team of the second division? Because I I'm not sure that the Colts can get promoted, can they? Because they're not allowed in. They've not agreed no. to go into the SPFL, are they? Yeah. No, they can't. Yeah. I'm not so, sure. I quite believe the whole it's going to be a one a year a one year um, trial. I think it's paving the way for second division, isn't it? Yeah, it's trying to find a different way of getting in because they were obviously rejected. I think by the, mm. the SPFL who are thinking, well, let's take the route in the Lowland League, um, see what happens, and then maybe the SF the SLFL will look at it and see. No, sorry, the SPFL will look at it and think. Or maybe there is advantages to it if there is this talk about they're going to get bigger crowds, but it's been shown in the Challenge Cup when the Colts teams played, there wasn't necessarily higher crowds. Um, it didn't bring these kind of benefits. So oh, I it's, I'm not convinced. You know, I, know, I know when I was at Alvin Rovers, we played uh, Celtic and we played we said played Celtic in a, a friendly game, we played Hearts, you know, in, in a cup game uh, in Hearts. That both of them destroyed, destroyed us, uh, albeit we had a bit of a, a mixed team out uh, against certainly against Celtic. Uh, but you know, I think it's where it goes. Where does it stop? You know, I know we're trying, we're trying to get the same as you know what they do in Spain and, and things like that. And I, I totally under, understand the concept of why they're trying to do it. I get the concept of why they're trying to do it because they want their players to be game ready for when they go into their team or they or they get transferred away. But I just don't like the way that they're doing it. No, I think morally, I think morally and in football grounds, it's just not right. You know, they're trying to buy their way in, you know, and say, flash the cash and we can do this and then you can do that, purely because oh, football's been on its knees this season because of because of the COVID and it, it's, it's started almost flashing the money when COVID hit. You know, and it's it's almost like you know that European thing, you know, at a much smaller scale. You know, to just try to bully teams. I think, I think if they sat down and they had the conversation and sat out and says, "This is how we're going to do it," you know, and if we want to change, there was there was a perfect opportunity last season to change this the setup if we yeah. wanted to, you know. But I think it was a hostile change rather than a sit down and say, "Right, we want a change. This is it's going to take us a year." a season, a full season, to get everybody in place, to understand what we're going to do, or it's going to take us two seasons. But there will ultimately be change on this, around this date. So, see, season 2021-22, at the end of that season, we're going to be changed, and this is what we're planning to do, so that there's a longer time, a longer time to justify change, rather than just going, right, hearts are getting relegated, Thistle are getting relegated, we have to change it. You know, and all the hostility it, it went around it. Yeah, I think it comes back to earlier on when we talk about how important fans are. They don't ever seem to listen to the, the views of the fans or canvas the fans and ask opinion. They just kind of seem to 
go through with these things. The other thing I don't understand is why should it just be Rangers and Celtic that have the Coke teams? If they're going to have the Coke teams, then why not open up to whoever wants to have a Coke team there? Is that, even been, is that even asked to, of any of our clubs, or has it just been Rangers and Celtic working together to... It'll be them game. working together, I, I would imagine, but yeah. we've benefited significantly from players going on loan to Montrose and Cowden Beef and uh, Liam, Liam Gordon and um, almost half of our players that have graduated into the team have been on loan to the, the lower leagues, and, including your Stevie Mays and etc. And they've, they've really developed. So I can understand the reasons why you would want to put a Colt team down to that level because they do get um they do get the experience that they wouldn't get in a reserve league or an under twenty one league. Um so it's yeah, it's beneficial for them and that's fine. But why are we trying to benefit two clubs who already receive most of the benefits in Scottish football already? They've got most most of the supporters in the country split between the two of them. They've got because of that, they've got a massive level of income coming in from merchandise sales and from people coming through the gates, from people buying pay-per-views, season tickets and whatever. Um, so they've already got a massive competitive advantage anyway. And that's that's shown by the fact that there's only two names on that Premier League trophy for the last 20 years. So why now are we trying to give them an even greater competitive advantage? Because really that competitive advantage isn't against each other. It's against everybody else in the league so it doesn't add up it's like turkeys voting for Christmas for £3,000 a head yeah and the thing that doesn't even I think if you're going to do it go back to the reserve league you know yeah it costs a little bit more money but you're getting a mixture of experienced players young players new players coming back from injury you know players that have maybe played a handful of games players that haven't played you know, and you're getting that mix and you're getting that understanding of it because ultimately, I've said this in, in many occasions, ultimately experienced players want young kids to succeed. It's not as if they don't. You know, in changing rooms, you, you don't get that. Or I don't want him to succeed because he's going to take my position. And like that, you, you know, look at it and you go, yeah, he's got a chance. I really want to help develop him. You know, and I can only go by experience. You know, and I've said this, you know, I remember playing against Richard Goff and I played up front at the time in the reserve league and I made a run. And Richard Goff said to me, you man, why did you make that run? And I explained the reason and why. And he says, I'm never going to go there. Never, you're never ever going to take me out there. You know, and that's something that is game knowledge. You know, you're not going to get that in the Lowland League. And that's no disrespect to the people in the Lowland League. You know, you're not going to get that. You're going to get that in a reserve league where you're playing against professionals, older players, younger players, the whole mix. Yeah, the younger players might can be faster than the older players, but the older players will get that more experience that they can guide them through it. You know, and, and that's, I think, is a better way of doing it rather than just being hostile and trying to get, you know, in. Yeah, well, will a reserve league cost a little bit more money? Yeah, well, that's for, without a shadow of a doubt, you know, but if it's going to cost a little bit more money, then maybe the club should just have a look at the youth setup instead of playing 21s, you know, or under 20s or whatever it is in court. You know what, we're going to make a mixture of a hybrid type model where we have some players in, you know, we have maybe the younger kids in part-time and full-time and they play in the reserve league or whatever it is. You know, and I think that's probably a way that we can look look at it because I'm pretty sure you'll be able to get funding for that, you know, or you, or you get sponsorship for that. It'll ease the burden of, of the leagues and, you know, certainly the top two leagues for sure. 
Um, and we had Ali on last week. He was of the same opinion as you that the reserve league was integral to his development. If it wasn't for that, then maybe we wouldn't even go first team chances because how do you know they're ready? I, I don't see how having Coke teams in the lower league is going to make players ready for playing for Rangers and Celtic. They're not. There's no way that Rangers or Celtic are going to look at the lower league in the Coke team and go, all right, that boy's going to take the step from tier five to playing first team football for Rangers or Celtic. Cannot see it at all. Um, so I don't see any benefit there. The only thing I can see is that players would play it that tier, then maybe end up maybe, I don't know, League One of the Championship and then get sold on or something like that, probably. So it's just going to, again, financially benefit Rangers and Celtic as opposed to anyone else, really. So. I think if you, look at, if you look at Chelsea down the road, how many players they have out in loan. You know, they've got huge numbers out in loan. And I think, why not? Instead of, instead of trying to you know, improve the game in the Lowland League. Why not go, you know what, we're going to loan out, you know, the top division or whatever, we're going to loan out X amount of players to every single second in the second uh, division two team and division one team, if suitable. And then go, right, you've got them for a season, you'll pay their wages, you don't need to worry about wages. Then you get experience of playing. You know, if they're good enough, if they're good enough to get in the team, you know, that's it's simple. If they're not good enough, then they don't get in the team. You know, because... There'll be, there'll be players that are rough and ready and ready for League Two and League One, you know, and then there'll be players that will have to adapt to that. You know, and that's just part and parcel of football. You have to adapt to you know, you're not not always are you going to play in the top league. You know, so it might be you have to adapt to the first division or the second division or the championship because you're not going to make it. But I think that's the biggest thing for me. The difference between Scotland and England are the better players filter in England, the better players filter down the leagues. In Scotland, they don't tend to filter down leagues. They tend to just, you know, division division one and division two players sort of tend to stay in the two divisions. It's not like a Premier League player who maybe when he comes to 32, he'll filter down and filter down and filter down so that it becomes a stronger division. Whereas in England, you see some of the players, you know, certainly when I was down there filtering from the Premiership down to League Two. You know, and that makes that much, much better, much more attractive for sponsors as well. Uh, do you wonder whether that's just like maybe down to the old finances within Scottish football that it's not as, as easy for that to happen? Maybe I don't know. It's... Yeah, possibly, possibly. But you know, if you if you're getting an ex- saying the experienced players are better than younger players, but if you're filtering their players down, you know, surely the league's going to be more competitive. You know, because there's a, there's always a churn. You know, there's there's players that will just go for the Premier League and just disappear. You know, not play and. The majority, the majority of players want to play for as long as they can, you know, and that's that's the thing because they get this football bug that they just want to play and play and play unless you you have to retire from injury. They want to play, you know. How many, how many ex players are in juniors and you know lowland league now and you know Sunday leagues and that just because they want to play. Yeah, I think as well though, even the opposite thing as well that a lot of the kind of top teams won't take that many chances on players from lower leagues. And there's plenty of diamonds down there that can be that would do well, I think. Um, but they don't seem to do it. They would rather go and look at players down south and bring them up and take a chance on a young Scottish player down the leagues. Possibly down to scouting. Probably. So... Um, Certainly from, from a St. Johnson perspective, we, this season, 
seem to be picking up players that Callum has contacts with. So like your your Millwall connection. Yeah. Um Conway and Bryson, except players that he's either played with or he knows. Um have come to sign for us. So I don't know what sort of scout network we've got in the leagues, if we really have one at all. Um that's maybe something that clubs have kind of cut back on. Possibly due to the, the ongoing financial situation. It's weird because you would think it'd be easier to like look at a player on your doorstep as opposed to getting players from down south that you've maybe never even seen. I know that's different for David because he was at Millwall, but other clubs are, are guilty of it. I think. I think it, I'm trying to remember who it was earlier in the season, and someone said they would basically sign them off the back of watching a video. That, that was how they'd sign them. I think it's probably a risk. I think it's probably a risk in the thought of down there's a better league. You know, you know the, mm. the second division in England, the, the right, right, I'm not sure if it's a Ryman's Premier or the one below, the second division is, they feel that it's a better league. You know, and that's probably why they, why they go there instead of maybe looking on your doorstep and saying, you know what, if we didn't get this player in and he's full time, you know, yeah, we might have to spend six months just owning things, you know, but probably don't have the finance or the time to do that, you know, and take take that risk because every every signing, every signing that a club makes is a risk. And ultimately the manager, there's a short period of being a manager, you know, and you're you you live and die by the, the players that you bring in. Unless the club says, right, you want to establish a little bit like Hamilton, I suppose. We want to get the age down. We want to go if we go down, yeah, we don't want to go down, but we'll deal with that if we go down. And we have that opportunity to bring in talent and tra- train shit and you know train them up and you know get them to understand the way that they want to play. Then and there's a little bit of time. Then yeah, that's fantastic. But how many clubs do that, or how many clubs have a business model like Hamilton in the sense of you know how can we transfer? How can we get these players and make them better through our system and you know get them into the first team and play 50 games and then sell them on or they stay there for however long. You know, I don't think there's many clubs have that model as such. Yeah, like a club philosophy as opposed to a, a manager coming in and it's their philosophy. I suppose that's where the director of football then maybe kind of changes a wee bit. Because the director of football has a, ph- a philosophy and then whoever comes in under it goes with that football and philosophy. Um, otherwise, any time a new manager comes in, they want to change the system all the time, maybe. Thank you. I think, I think the thing with football is it's about the first team. You know, I think I think we tend to get away from, you know, we in this country should be, con- in my opinion, should be con- concentrating a lot on the youth because there's not much money there. Mm-hmm. There's not much money. So why not bring our own in? You know, why not bring our own? How many how many players make their debut? 16, 17 now? Very, very few. You know, and when I, when I played, there was lots of people making their debuts at 17, 18. You know, now it's like making your debut at 20, 21, you know, instead of going, you know, that's maybe because the YTS system was there and the government was funding stuff. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs, but I think we have to concentrate on the development of our youth policy rather than, you know, ultimately the first team's always going to take precedence. But, you know, if you have a board of directors that are willing for you to bring people through and are patient enough 
to bring people through while you're getting results. You know, it might be a couple of mid-tables, it might be a couple of mid-tables, but you're bringing these kids through and then you see the progression of them and then you go, oh, wow, in two years' time, you're sitting third in the league. We've got these these five players that we can, you know, sell for £10 million. You know, you look at the Southampton model or the Celtic, Celtic model, in, in a sense, done yeah. that, you know, with Wanyama and, and people like that, you know, Fraser, Fraser Foster and, you know, they got them for cheap and then sold them for Virgil van Dijk's a perfect example, isn't it? Plus, fans enjoy watching young players develop and coming through at their sides, don't they? It's, yeah. it's nothing better when a young we've player comes through so well. We've got a good track record there. Uh, we've got Xander Clark and goal. We've got Kerr. We've got um, Gordon, Liam Gordon. We've got uh, Ali McCann, who's phenomenal. Um, yeah. And we've got we've got Chris Kane and Stevie May, who both came through the youth. So, yeah, I think I'm in a fortunate position that I am getting to see my club develop. Not They don't all do it, of course. Um, and I, I would agree it's probably something that we should be doing en masse in this country um, but my club's pretty good at it yeah I believe I'm pretty good at it as well we had like about nine players involved in the youth setup or they come to the youth setup this season minimum in the match day squads quite often so again it's good but yeah there are some clubs that you just wonder have yeah. they even thought about what the youth system is do you even take it too much think, care about it I think it would be, be screwed a little bit as well you know because we talk about Oh, we've got these amount in the match day squad, but match day squads are really big now. You know, it's not like 13, 14 players. Yeah. You know, it's like 15, 19. You know, so you should you should have you should have some young kids in there, even just to make up the numbers in, in essence. But I think you you look at teams like Manchester United, one of the biggest teams in the world, and the amount they've had a, they've had somebody through their system for you know so many years. I'm yeah. not 100 percent sure how many. As somebody each season has came through their system, you know, and yeah, they get more of their money, but I think for even even clubs up here, for me, I would be looking at right, how can we bring in the best young players and give them the opportunity? The only way you're going to do that is by bring, by players going into the first team and making a song and dance about it. I think enough is shown here about youth players and how important it can be and how much money they can bring. You know, ultimately, because clubs are struggling. You know, it's it's not they've not got wealth. You know, there's no there's no oil billionaires took it took any over any any small clubs and and went. You know what? This is what we're going to do. We're going to be in the second division. We're going to rise right to the Premier League and we're going to get to first or second. We're going to challenge. You know, the proverbial top six. You know, and and I think that's maybe the way the the smaller team should look at it and go right. Can we bring in players that we can then sell for a pretty penny rather than going, you know what, we'll just take, you know, anybody that's about, that's floating about, that's going to club to club to club. We're going to, we're going to go at this over the course of, you know, two or three years. We're going to get a manager and we're going to try and stick by them as long as we don't get relegated, you know, or if we can see the change and stuff and we all buy it in and you're all driving in the same direction and that's what it's got to be. But unfortunately, you know, contradicting myself here, you don't get time. Don't get time to do that. You know, that's the biggest thing. And until you get a chairman or a board of directors that are willing to give a manager time to do that and they want to do it, then you're pretty much up shifted with a paddle there. Yeah, aye. I suppose as well in the lower leagues, it's maybe even more difficult because 
a lot of the time they're only running off year contracts, aren't they? They've maybe not got the yeah. budget to like think, can we go over a two-year contract and stuff like that? But yeah. we're, we're getting the dangerous approach whereby we're copying England and managers are like not getting enough time. They're, they're out the door in six months if they've not done well, which you do. I mean, they're, we're talking about Gerard at the start of the podcast. Like they could have quite easily in the past, I think Rangers would have pulled the plug if it wasn't for maybe the name that he has. They've given him the time, three years, and it's, it's starting to pay off. So it's good enough for Thank them, then it's good enough for other clubs. Yeah. I think if it wasn't for COVID, they could have been on a shadowy peg, really. You know, the way they imploded last yeah. the season before. But, right. you know, they've stuck by him, and he's, he's, built this, he's built the team. You know, you hear, you hear all the time, it takes you maybe two, probably three, four windows to get, you know, the players that the previous managers had in to change that all over. You know, so... That's fantastic that they stuck by him, you know, and he's ultimately he's delivered. Yeah, yeah no, I have mixed feelings on him. I think um, because the state of Celtic this year and the budget that he's got, I feel like I could probably have walked the Scottish League <laughs> with Rangers. <laughs> you know, he did well in Europe. I'll give him. I'll give him that. But pumped yeah. out of both cups. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't. I think if he'd done better in the cups. Um, then I would say that uh, there's there's signs that he's doing he's on the right track, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if Celtic made a, a good signing manager wise, bought a few players and and took that title back from them next year. I, I think next year is the year where we can tell or judge whether he is as good as he's been made out to be in some quarters this season. Yes, but it's harder to retain a title than when it may be the first time in a way. Um, that'll be the thing. Well, Jurgen Klopp will tell you. Yeah. Um, the only thing you would say is they're in a position of strength whereby they maybe don't need to make too many changes, whereas Celtic look like they're going to have to get in maybe around, I don't know, maybe yeah. 10 players in. It takes time when players yeah. adapt and stuff like that. So we shall see. But, uh, but you can't deny whether, you know, they've not lost a game and they did do reasonably well in Europe. I suppose, but I think if he'd been if he'd won that title against a strong Celtic side and he'd done better in the cups, then I'd be more convinced by him as a manager with the budget that he's got. Yeah, I think it's amazing. I I I just feel that looking at Celtic at the close season, I think it was the Fraser Foster thing where everything mm-hmm. totally completely out of the water for Celtic, you know. And I think they bought Vargas and and they had Craig Gordon there, you know. I don't see, I don't see how he was better than Craig Gordon, you know. And they've spent, you know, you look at Ivan Tony, you know, you could have spent another two million and yeah. got, you know, a top, a top striker that would have scored you, you know. And you went and got, you know, a jetty from West from West Ham, you know, who is I don't know if he's been injured or what what's the situation. He's not really he's not really played, you know. And, and you look at that's probably what. Was that 10? Was it 5 and 5 or 7 and 5? I'm not sure. You know, 10 million pounds and, and two players that you know probably haven't played. You know, and you look at Ivan Tony who scored who was scoring goals previously anyway, that's why they were interested yeah. in him. And then the Craig Gordon situation that would have cost you probably less than you know what you played paid for the two players. And you know, I, I think Craig Gordon showed, you know, in in the cup final against, you know, in the cup. Was it the cup? It wasn't the yeah, the, the cup final from lap from previous season. Uh, you know how good he how good he was, and he could still do still do a job. You know, I, I think it was just a, 
big mad rush because Fraser Foster designed this thing. But it just shows you how how a good keeper, you know, you look at Alan McGregor, wonder how many points he got Rangers yeah. over the course of this season. Um, moving on from that side of things, the playoffs tonight, Dumbarton won the first leg 3-1 after being a goal down against Edinburgh City, which I'm quite supp- I'm a bit surprised about because they've been struggling for goals. Um, I did see the opening goal to Edinburgh City, it was a belter, so definitely Dumbarton in the driving seat there. Yeah. I, th- I think they've, they've been on a decent run of the night, Dumbarton, of recent, I think. Uh, I think Jim Duffy's probably using all the Every bit of ounce, every ounce of experience that he's gained, and he's however many years he's been in the game, you know, uh, and you know they'll have a real, real s- small budget. I would imagine. I read somewhere that they've been just taking over. I think from for an English company or something. I think I read that somewhere. No, I think I'd seen um, that as well. Actually. You know, so a fantastic result for them because I thought that would have been a real tricky tie for for Dumbarton, but they came through it so far. Yeah, we need to watch in terms of talk about Jim Duffy. I'll probably wouldn't bother with Jim Duffy now. I hope he's, hope he's got a good sense of humour after my comments earlier <laughs> on. Uh, yeah. That. yeah, we we ran a poll for the, the playoffs anyway in terms of who would come through. I think the overwhelming one in the playoffs was that I think 90% of people think Kelly Hearts will get the job done against Brecon. Um there. The Edinburgh and Dumbarton tie, I think, was a bit more a bit more even. Um I'm just trying to kind of reflect back on what it was. Yeah, 65% favoured Edinburgh City over the two legs. And then the Airdrie Morton one basically is the toughest to call by all accounts because it was 49% Airdrie, 51% Morton. So we'll see what happens. I do hope Kel to get promoted. I think it will help uh, the goalkeeper they brought in, Fox, haven't they? Yeah, Fox. Yeah. Fox. yeah. He's, he'll, he'll, be, he'll, be a good, he'll be a good signing for Morton. They'll give him a lift as well. I know it's an emergency. Emergency loan sort of thing, but you'll give them a good a good lift. But you know, I think Kelty probably, you know, probably look at last year where they romped to the league, you know, and obviously Bora, you just didn't know what was going to happen with them. I think Bora this season only played three games and won won the league, which is a bit bizarre. Yeah. In in my opinion, you know. Uh, but I think Kelty are probably favourites for that, I would think, just purely because you know, they've got huge experience, you know, and, and breaking her on a, a difficult, difficult journey just now, you know. Uh, but I think I think with breaking, I don't think they would, if they did get beat, I don't think they would be the way Berwick are, I don't yeah. think. You know, I, don't, I think they would be pretty, pretty strong favourites for going back up. What do you think? I think the main thing is we want Kelty to kind of progress so that the the pyramid shows it's working. Um, yeah. That, that's I mean, the main thing. And that's nothing against breaking. Um, it's just we want to see a pyramid where it's progression as opposed to second chances and all that type of thing. Um, I think that's key. I think that's key. You have to say breaking's on a on a terrible, terrible run of form considering they were a championship club not all that, that long ago. In my view, the, the, the confidence has just gone completely out of that score of players. Um, and it's going to be very surprising if it's anything other than them dropping out of the league. Yeah. Um, I wanted to kind of touch on as well, Kevin, over the last year, what you've been up to. I know you, you've launched a football academy, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I've launched, I've, I've launched a, uh, a football academy and a, fo- a football club as well. So 
it's been it's been in the in the making for probably the past year and a bit. Uh, just trying to build, you know, a, a place where kids can come, you know, they can learn. Uh, it's not it's not necessarily about the winning initially. It's about the development of the player so that they can understand the basics. You know, I, I feel that a lot of kids nowadays don't understand the game. You know, don't understand the positions. You know, and and for for me, it's about helping the kids to progress into the professional game, and making sure that they understand how what it takes to be to get to to that point. You know, I've I wasn't I wasn't always the first name in the team sheet. You know, I was subbed, I was left out. You know, so I go through all the all the emotions that are there. You know, I understand understand all the the emotions. Uh, but it's about making sure that the kid has the best opportunity to progress. Been tough to launch over That's COVID. Pretty tough to launch Sorry? it though. Has it been pretty tough to launch it though during COVID? Well, they kind of stop start nature. Are even kids been allowed to play football or train? Yeah, it's been it's been it's been difficult. Uh, I've been doing a lot of one on one coaching sessions uh, through COVID, but uh, we launched it just a couple of weeks ago, really. The, the team, uh, obviously, they're in the they're in the middle of a, we're in the middle of a season just now, so we'll start. Uh, we'll we'll be getting we're getting teams together just now, so we're looking for players, we're looking for coaches, uh, just so for the start of the season we're ready to go. You know, of all age groups, you know, and that's that's the way we're looking at we're looking at that just now. We're we're a new side, we're, we're based in Glasgow, which is which is good. We've got you know good sponsorships. We're we're speaking with a few professional clubs as well. You know, to have a chat with them and see where we can develop. Uh, so there's there's things in the pipeline for sure. But you know, ultimately, I want to get back in the game. You yeah. know, I've, I've, I've had a few interviews for, for a few clubs down south and things, and, and, and a couple one up one up here certainly one up here. Uh, but you know, we just we just see what see what happens. Just remember, though, if you need any more coaches, Nori uh, reckons he could do Stephen Gerrard's job. So that's maybe yeah. the way to get the coaching set up. I, I, don't I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you can afford him. I don't know if you can afford him, though. He's like, he comes very expensive. I don't know if I take the only, step down. I don't think we want to. The only thing is, I think the budget will be like half a pence. There'll be younger listeners who will listen to this one. What's half a pence? <laughs> <laughs> Um, similar budget to Callum Davidson, I think. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of some of the interviews and that, and they kind of, I know you maybe probably maybe can't mention names of that, but was there any kind of particular clubs you felt were a right good fit without naming them? Like, was there, like, what's the kind of interview process like in a football <laughs> management job? There was there was there was a couple there was a couple that were really interesting. I had I applied for uh, one down south, uh, and they they had said that you know the position that I had applied for was probably you know I was probably overqualified for it, uh, which was was really impressive. They've told me to keep in touch uh, and go down and, and see see the training and stuff. So that's always it. That's always a good sign. Uh, one up here, I, I felt that you know. It would have been a right fit. It would have been a good fit. Uh, went through the interview stage. You know, I came out of the interview thinking it felt feeling that I had done well. You know, even looking back now, I don't think I would have changed anything that I had had done. You know, they just went with somebody else. You know, and I've got no, I've got no issue with that. You know, 
there'll be there'll be things that will come up. You know, we've got, you know, there's there's always there's always jobs coming up, but you know whether I get in or not is is a different story. You know, I think if at least this time I'm getting interviews, which is which is which is good compared yeah, to what it was previously. You know, uh, so that's always a good sign. But you know, ultimately, it's for me, it's a manager, it's it's a sporting director or you know, a board's decision. You know, on who they take through, and you know, they it's it's up to me to knock that door down. You know, I've got the interview, didn't get it, but I didn't come away thinking that I should have done any more or I felt was there was an injustice or anything. I felt that that, that was. I done everything that I could have done, you know, and ultimately they chose somebody else. And, you know, you know I should have done. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe a lock in a way you've had a year off due to COVID, and then you can recharge and get going when things get back to normal. And it's football's more normal as well. Give your time to assess yeah, things as well. It's 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 it'll be it'll be better. It'll be easier to go and watch games and things, you know, which 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 is we found it difficult. I've seen a couple of games that I've done a little bit of scouting this. This year as well, so you know it's been it's been a, a difficult time for for everyone, you know. But you know you, you keep your you keep your, your eye in and you, you look at players and you see players and you know. Then if the opportunity comes, you make sure you're ready and you know I'll, I'll be ready. You know I, I feel as if I've done a good job on on what I had at Albion Rovers when you know Definitely. we were we were caught adrift, you know and. You just you just hope that people see what you've done there. You know it's you know it's it's going on a little bit, but I can still revert back to you know how we changed the how how I changed the, the, the club, the, the mentality of the players, and you know the direction that the club was going. You know, and ultimately, as it, as I've said before, you know I left the club in a better place, and that's the most important thing. When when I left there, you know it wasn't it wasn't through you know. I decided to reject the contract. You know that was the risk that I took. That you know I yeah. could have maybe still been, still been at Albion Rovers, but that was my choice. And you know they've done they've done fantastically well since the turn of the year since they came back. They've, uh, Brian Reid's done. You know they struggled at the start, but you know I think they were fortunate then that the breaking were were worse than them. But you know I think all credit to the players and and the manager, the, the players that he brought in. You know. At the turn of the year, they've they've been they've been fantastic. Yeah, no, we wish you well in terms of getting back involved. I remember last year speaking to you, and it's good listening to you and how passionate you are about the game. You can tell about the, the kind of vision you have and the strategy and different things like that, and the focus on youth. I think it's massive. So hopefully, someone will, will give you a chance to show what you can do soon. <laughs> Cheers, mate. I hope so. I hope so. We'll see. We'll see. But as I say, you know, uh, there's there's things happening, but. You know, there's, there's always there's always room for for a managerial or a coach's position. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a manager's a manager's position. You know, I'm I'm happy to, to learn and open my eyes and you know give feedback. And you know, at the end of the day, if somebody wanted to bring me in, then I'd be 100% behind them. It's not me trying to angle for for anything else. You know, because ultimately I, I owe that person if they bring me bring me in. So you'd have my 100% trust and you know, trying to drive and make sure that they are successful. So I think that wraps up the podcast. Uh, obviously, we kind of started by kind of Hibson Johnson, and we wish both teams well. Um, so yeah, we'll just reflect back. You're going for two 0 to St Johnson, Nori. With Chris I, Kane, I'm, I'm Chris, Kane Chris Kane double is it? Is it a Chris Kane double or no? It? Chris Kane, and it was to start with, but it's now Chris Kane and Liam Craig. Right. Okay. Right. So 
if you're a betting man, get your money in that. That's what you're saying. Nice. Stick a fiver on it. <laughs> yeah, responsible gambling. Responsible gambling, yeah. definitely. And Kevin, you're going 3 1 Hibs. Yeah, I'm going 3 1 Hibs, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Uh, if you want to put a bet on it, put a bet on it, but don't come to me if it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never thought I'd describe it like that. I should have. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, hopefully I we get the showpiece that we, we the season is deserved. Yeah. Um, I think, but, uh, I think when we look at it, it's probably two teams that we didn't expect to be in the final, you know, and 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 I hope it just showcases, you know, the the football that we we can play up here, you know, because yeah, we, we do get battering, we do get hammering at times, you know, but hopefully it shows everything that is good about Scottish football. Yeah, and the thing yeah, is, my, well, echo, my echo that, and as long as Livingston's not in it, then there's a good chance we're going to get a good game, I think. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Shots fired there. Oh, you know my thoughts on the brand on the podcast that season. David Martin oh, versus be... Glory. Uh, be... Did you see what he was? Did you see what he was wearing at the weekend uh, when they when they played us? The fashion's getting different in Scottish football. I mean, Jack Ross is going. He's yeah. going next level. He's got the uh, designer gear and all that. Graham Alexander's <laughs> got the All Saints polo and all that and, and stuff. It's uh, Martindale looked like he just stepped at the nightclub. He had jeans <laughs> and fair, fair play to him. <laughs> I respect that. Uh, I like him. He's, he's a refreshing character, I think, um, in the game. I, I do wish that only in excuse was still around because I would love to have seen the take on Martindale. I think he'd be a terrific character for that. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, no, best of luck to both Hibs and St. George. And I'm massively envious, as I've said before, that Aberdeen are nowhere in contention especially this season but yeah we need to market the game that it's more than Rangers and Celtic and this is a perfect time the Scottish yeah. Cup final the showpiece of the season mm-hmm. so no, thanks both both of you for coming on again thank you and uh, thank you soon. cheers cheers guys thanks for being here cheers yeah you too you too nice to meet you Kevin <laughs>